Thanks for choosing New Heights Fellowship Baptist Church of East Toledo podcast. Today we hear one of our songs, theme songs from Vacation Bible School five Tuesdays in June. Then we talk a little bit about, and more importantly, why we thank God for our country and why we'll always thank God for the country that we live in. And we pray for our country and hope that it will honor God with its choices. And then we go to the Word and discuss the leading of the Holy Spirit and what it means to be a leader in freedom, the demotion after the promotion. And God bless you today as you grow new heights in Jesus. praying uh, that God will uh, be in charge of this service, that God will do what he wants us to do. Uh, we're also praying for some folks in our body that are hurting. We have some of that going on. We have a couple of folks that have some pretty serious illnesses, and they're kind of struggling through it. Okay? And then we're going to pray for those who made decisions and those who were touched and blessed by the block party. Um, so we, we don't have really the exact numbers, only God knows that, right? But we had roughly eight uh, first-time decisions for Christ, those who were saying, 
that they were first time accepting Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And that is a wonderful, powerful, amazing thing for them. Um, the gentleman who came up and stood next to me during the object lesson, his name is Danny. Uh, he's at Bob Evans working right now. Uh, he and uh, his wife, I think it's his wife, anybody there together. The two of them are uh, trying to work out the details, whatever, to be here on Sundays. Melinda Tidwell was there. She was super excited to meet all of us. She's probably, hopefully, online watching, but if not, uh, you will, I, I, I believe that you will eventually see her with us. And actually, uh, uh, Brother Tony Tate knows her from back a ways. She used to be at Lion of Judah, that, um, where he was at back in the day. And so, uh, she fairly recently recommitted her life to the Lord, and she shared with me that she's got testimonies building in her heart. She wants to come and, and share with us. But, uh, She's also going through some health stuff, and a couple, and a couple times she was going to come and set uh, transportation and then had to back out. And so she's holding now until she's sure she's ready. But she was doing pretty good at the block party. We had a number of people who really put in a fairly heroic effort. We had a lot of people working outside their box doing things they've never done before. That's pretty amazing. And then we had people working for hours and hours and hours to spend. I mean, you saw all the stuff that came. Um, and uh, picking up the dunk tank, picking up the water, picking up the sodas, bringing the extra tables, the chairs, everything. And so it truly was a heroic effort even to get there and have a chance of getting started. And then it came together beautifully, I thought, and, the, and quite a bit of the community turned out. Um, I couldn't tell you exactly how many people we had, but I guess that, that number was probably a couple hundred, and it was really cool. And then, of course, I don't know about you, but I noticed that there was a lot of folks moving by at the very end, still heading for the fireworks. And so I was thinking, if we do that again next year, we need to kind of plan, what, if we have extra manpower, while everybody's picking up and put away, because there's a lot of effort in that, we maybe plan some way of ministering to those who are actually heading to the fireworks. And uh, that would be another several hundred people that we could touch, even if it's with a sign or signs about Jesus or things like that, so we can outreach. But what a great opportunity, um, great blessing. And then afterwards, even after that, there were folks who went late into the night. There were folks who came back here and unloaded everything, and folks who went on to take the, to take the dunk tank back later, and I think that doesn't need, I might not even take it back yet, if I understand correctly the story, right? So, that's, so we're not done. So our people are still working. And praise God for that kind of labor in the kingdom of God. And this I know. God can use that for his glory. God can use that to bless you, to bless others around you. Um, and we mustn't forget our key verse, which says, we proclaim what we have seen and heard. So you've seen something, God has done something, and we're, we're in the midst of outreach event, and we're going to continue to do that. So there's multiple opportunities this month to go out. We already had one group that went out and did Freezer Pops at the park. You can do that. You can say, hey, I, I can't go at any of the scheduled times, but if you can provide the Freezer Pops, or if you tell me where to go, what exactly how to do it, I'll go and do it. And we have people already, several more opportunities to go out with folks and preach across the park and witnessing to anybody who happens to be there. Then we have those who are going out and doing uh, walking the streets and just anybody that they talk to, witnessing. And then we have prayer walking this particular neighborhood right around the church building. And the same thing, anybody they have to talk to, witnessing. So great opportunities to plug in. And then I'm going to have several days where I'm going to go out and do the Needs of New Church Home List, which is folks who said they're looking for a new church home. I'm going to actually knock on their doors and talk to them. So if you're willing to do that, so that's all the rest of this month. I know. Everybody's like, man, it's summer, and I want to go play, and I want to go visit amusement places, and I want to go uh, out in the backwoods where no one talks to me, and be quiet, and be still. And You can do that. I encourage you to do that. But this is our outreach. This is our opportunity. This is our time to pack in a lot of mission activity. That's what we decided we would do. 
And then there's time, there has been time already. Five, five Tuesday nights in June, VBS did not consume the other six days a week. Uh, although I know there were people who prepared for it, set up for it, everything like that on other days, and that's good. But we've had opportunities, and we'll have opportunities again. And you can do it in between your outreach. Find time to go out outreach, and then if you want to go on another day, go to the park and do all those kinds of things. You can do all that. Okay? So we just pray that God gives the glory, the kingdom advance. It is no time to shy away from the work of the Lord, even though it's a lot sometimes, and I know that. There's no time to shy away because, and this is what I feel like the Lord was sharing with me as we were out there, notice how spiritually open people were. We didn't, I didn't have anybody. We always get somebody. I think there was one person that went to the food tables and was kind of disgruntled or whatever, like, give me that, you know, kind of critical or whatever. And people loved on her and made it through, and it was great. But basically, everybody else, you could talk to them about whatever, and they were interested in hearing it, so it was wide open, and I think it's going to be more and more of that. We've been through, people have been through, this is how it's backfired. The media has created a, an environment where lots and lots of people thought they were on the brink of death. Like, everybody thought, I might die any day because we're in a pandemic, right? Now, that's not necessarily true. Christians knew better, but a lot of people thought that was true. And when you come out of that circumstance, after you feel like you might die any day, you're open to what God might say, you know, or, or your heart's really hard and you're not open to anything. But most people, I think, are going to be interested. So, so this is our time to do that. Don't shy away from the work. And I appreciate that we have every age group involved, and you can involve more people. Our, we have folks come out and volunteer who don't come to church. They're not with us. Even now, and haven't been for months, where, but they come and they know and they profess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and they wanted to serve, and we let them serve. And that's one of our core values, which is involvement. So I just want to say thank you so much for those who work behind the scenes tirelessly to make it happen, and those who came out got out of their box, those who witnessed and shared Christ, and you will get another opportunity because we're only two weeks away from the next one. Uh, we are doing two more block parties in the month of July. And actually, at the last two block parties month of July, we will, have, we will be baptizing if there are those who have accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So we're going to try to baptize in a big giant pub out in the yard over across from the life station and then here at the end of the month. So, God willing, we'll see some folks coming in and really living for the Lord. I also have in my hands, as no subtle reminder, the um, Bless Every Home. Uh, this is the Bless Every Home for right around here. How do you bless every home? You pray for your neighbors. If you're not signed up, you can be. Wherever you live, it does not matter. If you put your name and address in there, then you can do 50 or 100 or 150 or 250 of people, that households that live around you. Okay? And then you can pray for them. And it will give you their name, it will give you their address, and it gives you a little suggested prayer. Today's suggested prayer is really easy. And basically, it's more praying about us and for us than it is for them. And it's, Father, let your light shine through me, through my neighbors, through my prayers, actions, and words. So I'm going to real quick read the names, and then I'll jump into prayer. I know we have requests, and I'll mention them generally. And please be in prayer, because even in this room, there are people who are really going through some trials, really going through some pain, really pressing past barriers, and we need to be lifting each other up, okay? And I'll do that generally. I'm not going to name every name or anything, and I'll pray this in just a moment, okay? So the names in the neighborhood are Erica Galloway, over down here on Hefner, 354. Dixie Conine, 358 Hafner, 659 Dearborn, Damon Long, Lori Rowe of 659 Dearborn, and Stephen Brewer of 657 Dearborn. And the names are randomized by Bless Every Home. Okay? Bless Every
Father in heaven, thank you so much for letting us be here, letting us do the things that we do for you. The truth is, it's a lot of fun, and there's a lot of joy in being uh, wrapped up in and excited about the things of our God. And we, we see that the world thinks they're having a lot of fun and a lot of happiness. And the truth is, Lord, there's, there's no better happiness. There's no better fun. And, uh, Lord, I, I pray that you'll help us not be distracted, not be tempted, not be run off by all the things that are going on outside the kingdom of God. And we pray, Lord, that your kingdom would advance and spread and touch people throughout the city of Toledo. And really, Lord, we're praying for across the world. We pray especially amongst those who would claim to be the church, Lord, because we want to be that light. We want to be uh, your light shining through us so that our neighbors, by our prayers, by our actions, by our words, by giving them a hot dog or a snow cone or... Uh, spitting in their hand, if that's what it takes, Lord, whatever it is, Lord, that we would help them to see the God of heaven loves them, that we would know in our hearts, in ourselves, and what we're going through, the God of heaven loves us. And Lord, we pray for our trials and tribulations. Every day alive for you is a joy, and we're reminded that, um, Lord, there is even great joy in trials and tribulations. As we face difficulties, the pain that we face, um, the ache in our hearts as we see what's going on around us. Financial relationship troubles. Uh, or psychological warfare that goes on within us. Spiritual attacks. Uh, Father, we are so grateful that you are at work. But we ask you, Lord, to be at work in our specific circumstances, our specific situations. And we pray, Lord, that we'd be able to see it. And that our eyes would be open. And that we would be able to know that when the enemy tries to stop us from doing what you want us to do, we can do it anyway. We can have great joy and excitement and fun without running off somewhere to do it. But right here amongst us and, and right outside our doors and outside the doors of the church building and on the, on the parking lot of this city and on the sidewalks, we can have great joy serving our God. And we, may, we know we may be close to running out of time. And so we pray for one more and one more, and one more genuine decision for you that people will be saved. And we praise you that you make that available to us. We praise you that you make this place and all the resources of it available to us. And we ask the Lord to inhabit the praises of your people now as you sing. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
I just stand there and the Spirit said something in my heart, so I'm going to say it now. I, I belong to this SBC pastor group online, which you have to be an SBC pastor, so I'm back to this American pastor in order to be in the group. So no one else can join. Everybody's a pastor in the SBC, so I'm back to convention. And there's been a raging, raging debate over the last two weeks. There's been a fairly raging debate as to whether or not pastors are going to mention anything about the United States of America or being a free nation or being a Christian country or anything like that on Sunday morning. Which I think is the Lord of Hui. And I, obviously I fall well on the side of, of that we should. Okay? And part of that is we should be grateful for our blessings that God has put us where we are and able to do the things that we're able to do. Part of that, we should be grateful for those who sacrificed to make that happen and so on like that. It started with Jesus. But this is what the Lord just put in my heart just a moment ago. There was a time, and it was mo- it was toward the beginning of our country, and it has reoccurred often uh, throughout the last 200 and what has it been? Really, 200. 450 years, really, goes well beyond the signing of the Constitution, which didn't happen until 1787. Um, but there really wasn't, there, there has been a time in our nation that has reoccurred where men believed that there would be little to no difference between the kingdom of God living for Jesus and being a United States citizen. That is the desire of God. Let's be realistic. That's the desire of God. That if you are part of the United States, you would also be part of the kingdom of God. And the signing of the Declaration of Independence is a classic example. All but one of the men who signed the Declaration of Independence was either a pastor or a deacon. The the formation of this country, and let's be very realistic, the protection of this country all along has fallen on God. And on God's men. And... I know that there are other people in the United States of America, and they're not Christians. And I guess I wouldn't have it any other way, because how would you evangelize? Right? How would you lead anybody to Christ if everybody was a Christian? I know that there are non-Christians who serve in the army, in the military, in all aspects thereof, and they protect our nation, and oftentimes they give their lives, and sometimes that means they go to hell because they didn't believe in Jesus. I understand that that happens. But I want to say to you that it is the will of God, the heart of God, that this and every nation on the face of the earth would be a Christian nation. And sometimes I think we are blessed, and we don't realize it, by the heart of men who did what they did and do what they do because they are following God. By the hearts of women who did what they did and do what they do because they are following God. I understand there are a lot of historical figures who didn't do what they did. Sometimes those are really bad historical figures. And sometimes there are people who did what they did. They thought they were doing it for God, but they really weren't, right? And so this is the nature of human beings. Sometimes we take the great blessings of God and we use them for true evil. But not here. Not in this place. Not this people. We have been blessed to be part of the United States of America. And we will always, on the 4th of July, at least as long as I am a pastor, say something about the blessing that God has given us to be part of a free nation. Now, the true free nation, we understand, is the kingdom of God. It is following God. Jesus paid for it. That's what makes it possible. Period. Right? And people have been dying to protect that nation as well. Not in the sense like soldiers protect Jesus, because Jesus is safe. 
right? Our soul just protects salvation because their salvation is safe. And ideally, our nation would be like that too. But our nation, our country, is not safe. It's not just the military. People in police and FBI, police-type forces, they die every day. There has never been a nuclear bomb detonated on American soil, or a dirty bomb, or anything like that. And that, don't kid yourself, literally every day, the police forces are stopping that. Every day. And it's a joke, and it's foolishness to think that the people who work so tirelessly to protect the United States of America should be considered the enemy. Because they're not. So we are blessed as a country, and we will sing patriotic songs, and as you do that, I want Jesus in your heart. Not the United States of America, but Jesus in your heart, because it is Jesus who made it possible. And I'm not preaching to my SBC group online, I'm just talking to my family. And praise God we're able to do that. Okay? just wanted to share that spirit for all my heart. And now, there are going to be flags on the screen, so you feel comfortable to stand lift it up to the Lord.
All right. So that moment in time where we ask ourselves, how's the Lord been speaking? I know we've already said a lot. We've done a lot. We're not done. I saw a hand in the back. All right. Brother Harvey. should probably say brethren. I just can't get into that. And if you don't like country music, I don't care. The song is... The first time I heard this song, it almost brought tears to my eyes. Really, really good song. Listen to the message. If you don't like the particular brand of music.
So in this country that we live in, you know, we have people that sacrifice so much. And it goes so much farther than the military. It's police, firefighters, rescue workers. They all put their lives on the line. And there's so many that don't make it back. There's so many people that literally put their lives on the line daily to protect us. To protect what this country was founded on and what we stand for as a country. And this, and the song, 22 years. That's someone's, that could be someone's baby. That's a mom who never gets to watch their kids grow up. That's a mom that may never become a grandparent because their kid sacrificed their life to protect our country. So, if you get offended by what our country stands for, then everyone who put their lives on the line to make that ultimate sacrifice of going to war and very, very possibly never bringing home I was lucky I never got to see anything extravagant, like super bad, but I know people who have died. I have friends that died going across seas. They didn't make it back. One of them was 18 years old. He had just graduated high school, went over there, was there for two months, and then died. So, you have to realize that, you know, we live in a country, and it's what I would most people would say was for free, but it's not free because of the price that so many people have to pay, the sacrifices that so many people have to make to make sure that we can stand here in this building and praise God in a free country without having to worry about someone saying that we're not allowed to do it no more. We have the ability to stand here and worship and praise God in this amazing country because of the sacrifices people make daily. So you need to look at your life and realize that everything you have, every day you're here, someone dies protecting you. Someone that doesn't know you, doesn't even know you exist, dies protecting you. Like I said, it goes it goes more than just the military. I'm talking police officers, law, any kind of law enforcement, anyone like that. The people who are on the front lines fighting daily to make sure that we can stay safe. So, everyone, Josh, Mr. Tony, Michael, I want you guys to stand. And anyone else that served? I don't think there is. There's people right here that made that sacrifice, knowing that they might not come back home. And I think that, you know, we're here because God wants us here. What that reason may be, we don't know yet. But there are people in this very room that know what it means to make that sacrifice. That that took that step to protect everyone here. And for us to be able to do that, 
is the greatest honor ever. And I'm I'm proud to be a part of that. And I just want to pray for you guys. Pray that we stay safe. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this time. God, I thank you for everyone here that served and anyone who's listening or who's watching that's part of the front line that sacrificed so much to make sure that we had the freedoms that we have to be a part of a church and to praise God and not have to worry about being persecuted from it. And Lord, I just want to again, I want to thank you for everyone here and thank you for everything that you've done. And keep us safe. In Jesus' name, amen. Alright. Who else? That's Chris. And I'm Jason. So, I work at the life station. I don't work at the building. I work from home. <laughs> and um, so, we get the phone calls in and I do them. But um, there are days where we don't have enough deliveries for the next day. And so, I do what we call callbacks, where I call people that have gotten deliveries before and they're eligible to see if we can get some more deliveries. So um, on Friday, we had one delivery, maybe two, by the afternoon when I had to start doing callbacks. And so when I decided, looking, I started doing the callbacks of the ones that were going to be near the block party on Friday. And so I started calling people and, um, I had to re-register them because it's that time of year. And so I was like, hey, you know, we're having this block party. It's only going to be like two blocks from where you live. And so that's how we got some of the people that came in. Because I recognized some of the names when I was doing registrations. Well, one of the people I called was Melinda. And it was so funny because Melinda's like, I'm finally going to put a face with the beautiful soul. That's what she said to me. And I said, well, how are you going to know who I am? She goes, I will know. And it was so funny because as soon as she hit the parking lot, she looked at, right at me and yelled, Chris. And it was just, it, it just kind of reminded me how um, when Mary and Elizabeth got together and Elizabeth, they were both pregnant. And Elizabeth's baby left with joy in her womb because she knew Mary. The baby knew Mary was parent, you know, the Son of God. And it, it, it just kind of, I mean, it wasn't that dramatic, but it was still that, you know, you know when you meet a fellow Christian, you feel that joy, you know? And it, it was just kind of that. And it was, it was not like that. It was like, throughout this week, I've had a rough like last month between bronchitis and everything else. And um, a bunch of people that, you know, I talk to regularly on the phone just kept reminding me about um, how strong I am and how um, how I have a beautiful soul and a beautiful laugh and, and, and just things like that. And it was just so encouraging this last week. So. God is good. He provides. That's good stuff. Alright, Jason? Um, on my way here, we were heading down East Broadway on the way to the church, and 
trespass the youth quality, the movie theme gallery quality, um, East Toledo Baptist Church, um, I saw the sign, and something that, and what caught my eye was what the exact thing that it, it, that it said. The more Christian love that comes to us, the more his love flows between us. And that really caught my mind because Christians are being made, you probably don't know, but every, probably every minute of the day, new Christians are being born. New Christians are being born. Old Christians are renewing their life back to God. They're probably doing that every minute of the day. And some of us don't know that. Like my dad said, there are people out there you don't even know that serve their life for us. Christian or not, they serve their life, made the ultimate sacrifice to protect us. There's a lot that goes on that we don't know, isn't there? It's eye opening. Alright, who else? So, uh, I would say encourage or re encourage. Be mind, redefine, redefine who we are and who we're not. Uh, also, you know, wherever God's speaking to you, listen to Him. Wherever God's commandment to you, follow Him. Um, so, I was just thinking about just kind of been following through some stuff for a month, and I know everybody probably heard, but um, I recently left my house. Uh, my kids are seeing her so often, but uh, I'm completely out um, of just uh, where I'm supposed to, where I was at, and far more where I'm supposed to be. But uh, regardless, uh, I was in the book of Exodus one day, and I was just remembering how the angel of death um, does it, that's about the Passover. He passes over, and uh, basically, uh, the angel of death's going to pass over everyone that knows that the blood of the Lamb is the only thing that's going to keep them safe. And so they've been given the directions, except the Egyptians, maybe even warned them, I have no idea. We don't see that, but no matter what, that night, if you didn't have the blood of the Lamb, God's going to do the unthinkable. Now, as you know, through God's creation, He warned them through locusts, through frogs, through blood, tons and tons of warnings of that He really wanted you to do what He said He was going to do. And so I thank God for all the miracles he does every day through creation, medicine, health, exercise, strength, joy, soldiers, everything, anything, anything that God has ever created has been used for his glory or he has to use in his opposition. So thank God for that. He knows what to do with it. But the first thing is, this is the moment where God gets involved. Angel of death is coming. And so everybody that was listening put a blood of lamb on there and the angel of death passed over every firstborn child. Everything else, literally, died. It was firstborn, an Egyptian, every cattle, everything, completely. People woke up with dead children, just sorrow after sorrow. Now, the one thing that I was just thinking about that is, though, we see this amazing miracle from God, but when I was saying the word pass, you know God passed over with the angel of death and, and didn't kill those, those kids. The one thing he didn't do is give these people a pass. There's no pass in this life. I always say this. I, I, I don't know how to explain it to you, but I, I grew up as a kid. My mom, my dad, I can't even think of a day in my life. And I don't try to look back, but I used to tell them, like, is there a moment where my mom or dad said something that encouraged me or, or loved me or steered me right, steered me out of the wrong direction? I can't think of a moment. 
I, and sometimes I lock into a fetal position. Like, and, you know, people would say, boo-hoo, grow up, be a man. I wouldn't know because I never had a chance to grow up and be a man. And I'm not making it funny, but I'm not using this for, uh, for that reason, is I can relate to a lot of people out there. And if anybody's listening on Facebook Live, I want you to know one thing, that this is what encourages me, is that there is no line for me where I can say, well, my dad wasn't there, I don't know what I'm doing, I can't get through this. I don't get to get a pass. God says no matter what, I have to follow him. I don't have a place where I could say, well, I've got enough excuses where God will be like, well, you know what, you're right. You can sit back and enjoy life and do whatever you want. No. There are people out there, you know, whether they know it or not, have taken advantage of people with books and all this kind of stuff, and, you know, making money for their own glory or whatever. I don't care about it. What I'm trying to say is, is they give false hope, false advice, because they know everybody's suffering, everybody's hurting. And so everybody's looking for an answer. Everybody's seeking for something. But, once again, to those who have glorified God and have shared great words and great teaching and great wisdom and great encouragement and glorify God, thanks to you, all of us, now and forever, and back in the past, many of people that have had to take a stand to do what is right, even when people didn't think it was right, to take a stand to do what God would say, this is loving, even when it didn't feel like this is loving, to take a stand. Because they didn't take a pass. This is what I learned. So I close on this. And the reason is, for one reason, and one reason alone, and you still can't find another reason. You can, you can try. I thank God for every person that ever did what is right. I thank God for every person that has done wrong and will stand before God. Because there is only one, only one, that came in flesh, suffering. There's only one who literally walked this life and did nothing wrong. Literally walked this life to be the justice of love and forgiveness and faithfulness. There's only one that went to that cross, and that is Jesus. And there's only one that not just went to that cross. In that moment, if you could think of anybody that's wronged you or all the ugliest stuff you've gone through or what you've been through or what people have done to you, that moment Jesus could have condemned every person on the face of the earth. I would have. That's why I ain't Jesus. Thank God. I couldn't be Jesus if I wanted. But God, fully man, fully God, sat on that cross, bled, and condemned sin in himself. He completely died. And if I'm raising my voice, please don't think I'm mad at you. I just have a passion. I'm just thanking God that he condemned sin and not condemned us. And so you have to literally turn and follow Lord Jesus. Because if not, he cannot condemn sin in you. He will condemn all that is not his. And I'm not talking to the church here right now. Maybe there's somebody on Facebook Live that need to hear this. Maybe we need to go out there and tell someone. And let people know the truth. Give people a chance. I always say, give them a chance. And that is the hope we have every single day. That is the hope that makes us not just go on, but do what is right. To stand up for what is right. And so, all I'm saying is, is that don't do what God's commanded, and you, you know, or you don't do what God speaks to you right now. And the bigger decisions, I, I, I would say, seek godly direction, seek your brothers, reach out, and then you know, you know, you know, this is what God wants you to do. But the easy things, sharing your faith, reading the word, going out there, being disciple, disciple others, that is all totally encouraging brothers, encouraging sisters, 
Reach it out. There is nowhere in the Bible where you can't find it. It is there. Soaked in his blood. But to anybody that thinks you can take a pass and you can just not do anything, God will just keep on disciplining you until you get that right. Because to us, there's no condemnation. God's not condemning us. God's got no disapproval with us. So the next step is, out of his love, his freely accepted love, he is going to do this. And I love this. He's going to mature his faith in us, his hope, and his love in us. And I'll just say this. This is the way I thought of it the other day. Let's hear at a friend's house and see a bunch of trophies. And you're like, look at all those trophies, man. That's awesome. You did this, this, and this. Oh, no, those aren't my trophies. I just bought some trophies. Put them on the shelf so I look real cool. Man, if that's God's trophies for your life, get them off the shelf. If it's his faith, if it's his love, if it's his hope, if it's his courage, if it's his armor, if it's his blessing, don't leave it on the shelf. It ain't even worth it. I know. I've suffered so much. I've made so many choices out of fear and manipulation. So many. When I can make choices out of faith and choices out of obedience, choices out of love, that has left so many scars. But you know what? There's still no pass for me. I still can't sit in another line. I have to move forward, and no matter what, I'm going to get this right in Christ. Amen. That's the only thing I can do and reassure anyone. And if you've been like me, and you're on Facebook Live, now Tony Tate, hit me up on Facebook. I don't talk to nobody on Facebook. But if you need a messenger, I will encourage you to follow our Jesus. I don't encourage nothing else. I'll encourage you to do what's right. There do nothing else. I don't give advice. I don't give pointers. I'll encourage you. And if you're following the Lord Jesus, I know you will because know what you're doing. The absolute actions and conducts you do will show that way. So if you if you need that help, if not, I hope someone's helping. There is no pass. I was reading John chapter 5 last night. Uh, Jesus said, don't work hard for the food that perishes. Work hard for the food that endures into eternal life. Because that such a person will soon God the Father set his soul to food long. And uh, sometime later, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He came down from heaven. So that, that, that food that we work for is the Lord Jesus himself. Amen. And, uh, some other in that chapter 5, Jesus said that uh, he doesn't testify about himself. He said the one that sent him testifies on his behalf. Jesus testified about the Father. I was thinking that's how it should be with us too. We should be testifying for the Lord Jesus and allow the Lord Jesus to testify for us that we do belong to him. And that's what we're all working for. That's all we're working for. We're not working for each other's approval. Even though we still give each other our food, but mainly we're working for the Lord Jesus. And uh, so I just wanted to share that. that kind of goes with what's going on with being right now. All right, well, let's let's pray together and we'll transition to five and offerings, a little more worship. Kids get ready to go. Here we go. Father, thank you so much for these messages through your people and to your people. I pray, Lord, that you are indeed lifting them up, not just the spoken word, but the word spoken heard. Lord, that we are able to do what it is that we're supposed to do, to be who it is that we're supposed to be. I thank you, Lord, that this is a, a safe place, a place protected not by us or uh, by others, but by you. And you do use people to do that. We're grateful. 
We're grateful for the fact that you use people to give and of their tithes and offerings and that you then multiply that money and make it possible. I, I just recently we had a woman visit our church, Lord, and she touched my heart when she said, how do you do it? How do you pay uh, the bills? And we were able to say, Lord, that it's you. You through your people. And I praise you for it. I ask you to multiply the tithes and offerings and bless them. But I, Lord, Lord, more importantly, I ask you to work through your people that we might reach out, that we might be the kingdom on the earth, that your kingdom come, your will be done. But we realize we have not been given a pass. It doesn't matter. Um, there is no permission to just write it out and enjoy life. But there is work to be done, works set aside for us to be done. Or we're we're blessed to have encouragers in our life and encouraging events. And but we're blessed to be reminded that we don't see everything, that there's a lot of work that you're doing through people behind the scenes, protecting us, making things possible. But we're blessed blessed to know that we have we have sacrificed nothing compared to your sacrifice. Others have sacrificed nothing compared to your sacrifice. But Lord, then if we could we could find it in ourselves to be on fire for you and do what it is you'd have us to do. We want to praise and worship you. We want to hear from your word. We want to work uh, on your behalf in the lives of others here. And as we go out on the streets and our quiet times, and our times of meditation, our times in your word, that your Holy Spirit is in us and would minister to us. And we are grateful to be your church. We are grateful to be on mission for you. And we ask you, Lord, where we, are, where we stray, whereas Brother Tony says, where we might start to take a pass or whether we might start to uh, not make the decisions that would truly glorify you, that you would be there, be that faithful God and Father that you are, and turn us in the right direction, show us, oppose us. And Lord, we never want to be opposed by you. You are an amazing, powerful God. We don't want to be opposed. But at the same time, we don't want to be going the wrong way to, and we just know the pit gets deeper, the rut runs less shallow, and the foolish nature that is still in us, in our flesh, could rise again. And we don't want that, God. We want to be your people. And we ask your blessings upon us as we sing a little more worship, as we give of our tithes and offerings, as we learn from your word, and we submit it all to you. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
Before the Lord called me to be a pastor, uh, really, and I didn't know I was called to be a pastor, I just knew, I, I began to learn I was called into ministry, and then later learned that I was called to preach the word, and before all that, um, I was a Pizza Hut manager. So I got a job at Pizza Hut as a shift manager, Cher was already working at Pizza Hut, she was actually working two jobs at the time, and they offered me quite a bit of money. Uh, at, back in the day, mind you, wouldn't be quite a bit of money now, right? It would be like nearly half of, that was about three quarters of what minimum wage is currently to come and manage. And then I went from a shift manager pretty quickly to an MIT and then pretty quickly from, which manager in training, pretty quickly to a store manager. And then I was a store manager for roughly about four years. And I wound up at the South Detroit Delivery Pizza Hut. That became my pizza. That was my little kingdom. And by little, I mean little. It was, it was triangular on the inside. We had an oven, a cut table, and then the phones area, and then the little tiny area where the three sinks were to wash the dishes, and that was the whole restaurant, pretty much. I had a little office. My office, uh, the only time my office has ever been smaller is when I didn't have one. And it was it was this tiny little three foot by five foot space that had a computer desk in it. And so when I sat in it, and if I would like try to counsel with somebody or talk, write them up or something like that, I sat in it. We sat like our knees would be touching. That was the way the office was. And But out of that pizza, we did very well, and I had a young man who came to work for me, and uh, he became, he was first a shift manager, and then became a manager in training, and he was moving up through the ranks like I had done, and he was becoming good at his job. He was very, very good at his job. However, he had some struggles with managing uh, the financial side and discipline and things like that. And I knew there were some difficulties yet. And I was working with him, trying to help him get there. I am not good at everything that, or anything maybe that a manager is, but the Lord was blessing me even back then. But the bottom line is I was trying to help him get so that he'd be ready to take over his own restaurant. And they came in and they asked him to take over a restaurant that was new in our area. It had never run before. So man, he was going to be setting up a lot of things. And it was going to be very, very popular, very powerful because it was on the campus of the University of Toledo. And um, it was going to be probably a million-dollar restaurant from the get-go. And they wanted to promote him to become the store manager of that restaurant. And he came to me, and I didn't know anything about it. My boss didn't tell me anything about it. He came to me, and he said, I'm getting a promotion. And I said, really? I said, I thoroughly expected you to be here for a little while. I'm training you and that kind of thing. He said, yeah, I'm getting a promotion. And my boss at that time had already talked to him, and he said, yeah, he came and talked to me and said, he's going to have me run the new Pizza Hut on the University of Toledo. And I, and I thought about that for all of about seven seconds, and I said, you're not ready. And he left, and he went to work there despite my best wishes, despite my saying, no, just take two months, let me train you on these key things that you need to know because you're going to set all this up. And I went over there, I took a bunch of my staff over there, and we tried to help him, and the bottom line was he was not ready. And he wound up working about 100 hours a week, which is 168 hours in a week. And he was working about 100 hours a week. And basically all he was doing was working and sleeping. I saw him in his restaurant and he looked, he was always, seemed like he was always drenched in sweat. He was always stressing. He had a vein bulging in his forehead most of the time. And this, he was young. He was in his mid-20s, um, which is about my, my age back then. Uh, I was probably about 30 no, I wasn't either because I got saved at 25, so I was probably about 23 myself. And so he was about my age, 23, 25 years old. 
And yet he just looked absolutely destroyed trying to run this restaurant. I worked some extra hours with this. I worked my 50 hours in my restaurant, which is what we were required to work. And I worked about an extra 15, 20 hours over there helping him. And we sent drivers over there to do dishes. And we sent cooks over there to cook. And we did everything we could to help him. And at about six months, he came to me and he said, I'm going to lose my job. And I said, why? He said, well, I'm not getting it done. So my numbers are not right. I, I cannot manage this restaurant. He said, I should have listened to you. I wasn't ready. He said, is there anything I can do? And I said, well, dude, you can come back here and be my manager in training. And he says, oh, no, I couldn't do that. I couldn't take a demotion after being promoted to be a store manager over such a great opportunity. And he said, and plus, I know they would never promote me again. And I said, well, I, I doubt that that's true. I think if you took a demotion back down and became a manager in training, I think in time, when you demonstrated that you're really ready for an opportunity, I said, and this is a unique opportunity. You had to set everything up. You had to work all these out. You did so much. You tried to make it work. Obviously, you showed dedication. I think if you took the demotion, you could later be promoted. And he said, I, I couldn't bring myself to do it. And uh, instead, when they came in, they gave him his last write-up pursuant to terminating. It was his third write-up. You three, and then you're terminated the next time something goes wrong, which there were so many things going wrong. And he knew it, and he knew it was coming. And they gave him his last write-up, he quit. And he was no longer, he didn't work for Pizza Hut anymore. Uh, and he didn't have a job when he quit. But he just couldn't take the idea that he was going to lose that job, that promotion, which was so important to him. Today I want to talk to you about the demotion after the promotion. And I think you already realize it's not a situation you want to be in or I want to be in. Okay, I'm going to go through the text relatively quickly. I know the hour has gotten late, but the power that is in these, this scripture and that God wants to say and, and affect our lives with is immense. And so um, if your butt's sore, stand up. If you start to fall asleep, stand up, stretch, do what you got to do, but put your thinking cap on and go with me then into Romans chapter 8. Thank you. Praise God. It's God's word. And here we go. I'm going to begin reading Romans chapter 8 from verse 10. A simple word of caution is steeped with stuff. There's a ton of stuff in here. I will not hit a ton. I will not hit a tenth of a ton. So mark the references, study them for the next week or month or whatever you got to do if you feel like the Lord is leading you to do that. But here we go for what God was pointing out of it to me today. It's Romans chapter 8, verse 10. It says, And if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness. And so, just very simply put, understand, he's making some divisions. It started before this, but he's clarifying it. Basically, if Jesus Christ has come to live in you, when people, when I'm witnessing and, and people are saying they're accepting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, most times I ask them based on Revelation 3.20, it says, you know, Jesus said, Behold, I stand at your heart's door and knock, and you open the door. And I know that's written technically to the church, but it was, by, the, by that it was also written to every member of that church, and therefore it extends to each member of the kingdom of God. Right, And so I say, did you open the door of your heart? And they say, yes, I did. I say, then where is Jesus now? And they, say, and they always say, in my heart. Okay, It's a very simple concept that even children get. And, says, and if Jesus Christ, as Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin. In other words, the wages of sin is always death. Right, Your body did not get resurrected when you got saved. Let's just be very simple about that if we can. You know you didn't get resurrected. You didn't suddenly lose weight, get muscular, get ripped. 
and your, your mind's clear and everything you ever did wrong was all just wiped away. Your body did not get resurrected because you got saved. Your body is in a sense dead, separated from God, and will be essentially for an eternity, at least if God did not resurrect it. If God did not make you a new body, your body would be dead and separated from God. It says, and if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit is alive. My spirit within me has been brought to life and God's spirit within me. And the two of them are working together really every day, all day. Yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness, because this is the righteousness of Christ imparted to me that I should be alive in God through Jesus Christ. Now I added that obviously, but that's basically what he's saying. Jesus's righteousness makes it so that our spirit will live eternally with God. And even then, you'll get a resurrected body eventually. Verse 11, But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who indwells you. And you could get it's a little complicated, you can get wrapped up in it, but don't bother. Here's what it basically says. If God's Spirit is in you, if He really is, then ultimately you're going to get a new body. That's it. Okay? And it'll happen because God who raised Jesus will raise you just the same as he raised Jesus. All right. Verse 12. So then, brethren, we are under obligation, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. In other words, we are under obligation. If Jesus has taken up residence in you, he is now in charge of you. His Spirit should be in charge of you. And if you are putting to death the deeds of the body, in other words, remember the body is dead. It's not resurrected yet, if you're putting to death the deeds of the body, so the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, the things that your body still wants, I like the way that tastes, I'm after that, that thrills me, I get excited, I want physical happiness, if you're after those things, rather than the things of Christ, then you, you, you're destined for death. You're not actually going to get that resurrection life that you're looking forward to. You're not going to be free, as we talked about over the last couple of weeks, from the judgment on the day of judgment. However, if you are putting to death the deeds of the body through the power of God's Holy Spirit, if you're doing that, then you will live. Verse 14. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. And boy, I just tell you, memorize that verse. Just do it. It's not even that hard. For all who are being led, for all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. Now, salvation makes you a son of God. Believing in Jesus Christ makes you a son of God. Receiving Christ as your Lord and Savior makes you a son of God. But the bottom line is, if you are not led by the Spirit of God, this promise would not apply to you. For all who are led by the Spirit of God, for all who are being actively, currently, present tense, led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. A promotion, if you will. We'll come back to that. 15, for you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. When I was raising my kids, have been raising my kids with, with Ariana a number of times, I have to use fear to guide and direct. I'll say, you do that again, you're going to get your butt spanked. Or you do that again and you won't be able to watch TV for the rest of the day or whatever. There's a, there's a threat, if you will. This is not the spirit that we have with God. God loves you. He wants what's best for you. His spirit within you is leading you, guiding you, directing you, helping you make the choices that will make a better day for you, for the kingdom of God, and for him in you. All right? God has a purpose in store. And 
If he is fulfilling that purpose, then it is your best interest to jump on board the bandwagon, to get going with him and do what he would have you to do. It's not that we go, oh, well, God says I can't do that. Ooh, if I do that, God's going to punish me. By the time you say, God says I can't do that, if I do that, God's going to punish me, you are already off the beaten path. You have already left the highway of holiness. You are already in the realm of evil spirits and demons, and they will play with your head and even with your heart if you let them. They will get control of your mind, and they will move you in the wrong direction. Because why? Because you are riding around in your chief enemy, which is your flesh. You're literally in the car that's destined to go to hell. But in that car, you are free to say, no, <laughs> we're not going to go that way. We're going to go this way, the way that God leads me to go. I'm sick and tired of, of hearing sermons and lessons and so on. You, you hear the Ten Commandments and you hear things like, thou shalt not. And everybody's like, well, I should not. I mean, uh, a Christian brother that I'm very aware of will take that the Ten Commandments out into the world and he has a good A good return on his investment by sharing with people the Ten Commandments and showing them that they have sinned against God and that they need Christ. And there's nothing wrong with that. But as a Christian, we are not led by the Ten Commandments. We are led by the Holy Spirit of God. Who knows the Ten Commandments better than even Satan who has them memorized and can twist and correct and direct you in every which way but the way that God would have you to go. He knows the Ten Commandments better than anybody. He inspired their writing. Be led of the Holy Spirit and not fearful of God, but knowing that God has a great plan. Verse 16 says, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. The, the direct parallel of these three verses from for all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God through the not having a spear, but a, a fear of a spear, but a, a fear. I'm going to get this right. A spirit of fear, but a spirit of adoption down to the spirit himself bears witness with your spirit that we are children of God. That could have been the text for the sermon. 14, 15, 16. Because listen, you want to know that you're saved. I want to know that I'm saved. We all, everybody wants to know that they're saved. How do you know that you're saved? You know that you know that you know when you know because the Holy Spirit of God is in you testifying with your spirit that you are saved. Redemption has taken place. Revelation has taken place. Rebuilding has taken place. Being reborn has taken place. And they are testifying of that. If you do not have a testimony in your heart by the Holy Spirit that you are saved, hold up. You either ain't saved or you are not walking by the Holy Spirit, which would lead you to walk by the flesh. If you're walking by the flesh, then you feel unsaved. Because why? Because your flesh is unsaved. This is how you know this is how you get it right. This is the formula by which we live. Follow God's Holy Spirit. Yes, there's an easy book to help interpret what God's Holy Spirit will say, and that is the Bible. And we read the Bible, and God's Holy Spirit makes it so we can understand what he said. However, before you get saved, you read it, and you go, I don't really know. I'm not sure what it says. I don't know really what it means. I tried, stood sat and stood and sat and stood and sat and stood in the building of East Lido Baptist Church and determined in my heart that I would read the book of Daniel. I got through chapter 7. I could not understand what it says. Then I got saved. By the way, through chapter 7, it's just a story. And I had read difficult textbooks in college written in such a way that it's hard to follow and understand. I have a re reading level, or I did back then, I don't know what it is now, but I had a reading level of like a sophomore in college when I was a sixth grader. And I'd read books that were very, very hard to understand. But as I read the book of Daniel, I could not really understand what he was trying to say. And then after I got saved, I picked it up again and read it beginning to end through all the poetry. And I could understand the revelation, the prophecy of God. I could go, oh, now I get it. 
because my eyes were open, because my heart was ready, because the Holy Spirit who wrote it was there with me, testifying in my heart. Now you are saved. Now this is for you, just like Jesus said. This I share with everybody else, but now I'm going to let me step over here and share with you because you are my friends. And that's the way it is with God. Jesus, the Holy Spirit, His Holy Spirit, they're all the same and they're in you, with you, helping you to understand if indeed you are ready and willing. But if that has not happened to you, then you you don't have that testimony that you are a child of God and that may well be that you are not a child of God. If you've been going your own way or your flesh way, you will not have that testimony until you repent or as you repent. Back to the beginning of the sentence, so we got it for sure. It says, the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with Him in order that we may also be glorified with Him, and there's the big ouch, because there is a suffering that is mandated. We get frustrated, upset, complaining, whatever. We resist the suffering. We run from the suffering. We build walls around us of financial preparation. We build walls around us of people. We don't, and nobody that will say anything that disagrees with me. Nobody that will get up in my face. Nobody will tell me how stupid I'm being. And we dismiss all of those people so we can avoid every kind of suffering. Except we don't, we don't succeed, right? Because everybody suffers. There's just some other kind of suffering. You dismiss everybody who would correct you and then you go on in error, which is its own form of suffering. Notice the, how he said it. it says, and if, cha- if children, heirs also, sounds really good, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. If you're not willing to suffer with Jesus, then you're not willing to be glorified with Jesus. But that's what you actually want, isn't it? Verse 18 says, for I consider, notice this is true, that I consider, because I consider, this is the way it is, I consider, I think this is true, I know this is true, I've thought about this, that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. I'm going to be transparent with you, I don't want to suffer, not a lick, never have wanted to. When I talk about suffering and knowing that I have to suffer for God, it scares me. I don't want to suffer. Nobody wants to suffer. I don't want it to break down. I don't want it to go away. I don't want to lose it. I don't want to not have enough. I don't want my friends to get mad at me. I don't want my family members or my church members to not do what I think they should do. I don't want to suffer. But the truth is, if I should suffer, that suffering is small by comparison to the glory that God has prepared for us. Verse 19, for the anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. Notice that there will be suffering and it's gonna, we're gonna have to go through it. And one of the reasons that's true is because the creation is waiting to be redeemed as we are, to be renewed in completion. For the anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not of its own will, but because of him who subjected it in hope. God did that. God subjected, subjected the creation to a futility. And we'll come back to that. That the creation itself also will be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. The promotion you got was freedom. It isn't fully complete yet because you're still stuck in your body, which is not yet reborn. You don't have a new body yet, but you're free even inside that body. 
and all creation all around us, which is a slave to give service to God, to give glory to God, but also is a slave to the futility. As the creation attempts to give glory to God, it struggles every day. How does disease give glory to God? Well, disease gives glory to God because it is the product of an original sin that, that angered, that dismissed God. And so now, God has subjected all creation to futility, has made some parts of creation basically against man, and you even could say that all of creation is against man. If you look at the book of Genesis, you'll see that the breaking relationship happened. There was a breaking relationship between man and God, between man and man, and man and creation. And, we, and God came to proclaim peace. You don't have to have a break between you and God anymore. And if both me and brother Jason have peace with God, then we can have peace with each other. But creation cannot have peace with God. It doesn't have a will to subject itself to God the way a man can. Your body cannot have peace with God because it is creation. It is something that God created. And now since the fall of Adam, it's always going to be broken and distant from God and yearns to be free like we will be free, like the freedom that we sort of have now and we will eventually have. That's the text, but I want to read that last couple of verses again. It says, For the creation was subjected to futility, not of its own will, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself also will be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. That'd be us. All right. There's a few things I want you to see in here, and they break down. Before we're through, I will quote some other texts. We're not going to do a lot of flipping around. If you if you want to flip, if you're a Bible guy or gal and you like to do it electronically, or you want to flip in the Bible, you're welcome to do that. But you now have everything, I think, we just read everything that you really need to draw from. The others are supporting. And if you're a note taker, please take notes. Great. But here we go. All right. First thing I want you to see in here is that there is a progress in the spirit that qualifies us. There is a progress in God's spirit that qualifies us. So the bottom line is, the verse says this, it says, For if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. If you do not walk in the spirit, if you do not follow the, the guiding, the teaching, the encouraging of God's Holy Spirit, you will die with your body. You can proclaim the name of Christ. You can pretend to be saved. You can accept and supposedly believe. But if you will not do what it is that God would have you to do through the power of God's Holy Spirit, if you will not be guided and directed and encouraged by the Holy Spirit who comes to take up residence in you, then either A, He's not come, or B, you're so shutting Him down that He cannot do His regenerative work and you will not be considered a child of God. Not my words. Read it again. 13. It says, For if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. Your flesh will die and you will follow your leader into hell. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Not my words, but God's words. God's Holy Spirit. If you're having a hard time understanding it right now in your heart, say, God, save me so that I can understand what it means to be led by His Holy Spirit. Save me so that I can be led by His Holy Spirit and not one day die and spend eternity separate from you. Because if you will not follow, if you will not be led, if you will not be encouraged internally by the Holy Spirit of God, you will not spend eternity with Him that you shun. 
It cannot happen that way. You will spend eternity with him that you embrace, which will be your flesh. And in embracing your flesh, you will spend eternity with your flesh, which would spend eternity separated from God. There's progress that is expected, programmed in. It is part of the purpose of God for sending His Holy Spirit. Progress in His Holy Spirit qualifies us. It qualifies us as children of God. You've become part of a new family if you have progress in His Holy Spirit. 14 says it this way, For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. Again, if you are not willing to be led by His Spirit, you are not a child of God. If you are busy coming up with your own way of doing things, if you are Something happens and instead of going, okay, God, I'm turning this over to you and I'm just tell me what to do now. Instead, you're frustrated, breaking things. You're, you're blaming it on people. You're angry about why it's going that way. If you're not, that's, those are not God things. God doesn't do that. If God gets angry with something, it just ceases. It's the bottom line. God destroyed sin on the cross. Jesus, who became sin for us, was killed on the cross. As Brother Tony Tate shared earlier, there was no pass for sin. If you will not follow His Holy Spirit leading, you are not a child of God. You have not been adopted into the family. You have not been made new. You are not born again unless you will follow God's Holy Spirit according to this verse, which says, for all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. And, you know, you could substitute daughters there if you're concerned about gender, but you know what it means. Secondly, thirdly, right? There is progress of the Spirit that qualifies us, progress in God's Spirit that qualifies us to be sons of God and also to have no fear. Oh my goodness, did we not just come through? Are we not still going through a place in the world where social media and TV and everything that everybody's talking about, whatever, it has a kind of a sort of subtle spirit of fear to it. You can literally have no fear because it says... Right on the trail of you must follow His Holy Spirit and be called a child of God, it says, for you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. You got a problem? Cry out to God. I'm not saying you shouldn't use a counselor, you shouldn't talk to a friend, you shouldn't be encouraged by a brother or sister in Christ, but I'm saying you got a problem. Your first appeal, your first look for the help should be God. And if it's not, you got a bigger problem. Because instead of being led to no spirit of fear, you're trembling. Oh, I don't know. I should, I should do this. I should clutch onto this lifeline. I should solve this problem this way. What's it going to take? What am I going to do? You're frenzied. You're frantic. You're upset. You're angry. And as well, you should be because you're living in a vessel of death destined for hell and you need to bail out. You need to bail out. And instead, embrace the lifeline that God has given us, which is His Holy Spirit and salvation by that means. This progress in the Spirit that qualifies us makes us sons of God with no fear. With no fear. And then there is a confirmation. When you have progress in the Spirit, there is a confirmation. I'm very close to the video, son. Just so you know. All right. Okay. And so... 
The third thing that the Holy, this progress in the Holy Spirit does for us is gives us some confirmation. And I know it's hard for confirmation, but it says it this way simply. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if you are a child of God, then it implies all of the things that being a child of the owner of the universe would apply. I would love to have been born to a millionaire, but I was born to a poor rich man or a rich poor man, depending on which way you want to say it. Okay? But if you're born to millionaire, there's privilege that comes with that. There's also a lot of struggles and difficulties with prosperity. I understand that. I'm not saying it's better. What I'm saying is, if you're born to God, then when the Spirit bears witness with you, with your spirit, that you are a child of God, you got rights, baby. Something is coming out of that. That's not for no reason. But in the midst of it, when it becomes difficult, how do you handle it? And there's one more thing that the progress in the Spirit qualifies us for. But first, we're going to have this video real quick. Hopefully we have it loaded and ready. It's not long. It comes from a movie called Found. Okay? He's just found out that his mother is still alive and she's going to come and claim him. He doesn't know her. And he's been through a lot. Here we go. I don't think you're supposed to be up there. I think better of you. You think about your mom? Do you remember anything about her? Not really. Every time that I think that I can see her face, I wonder if it's really her. Maybe it's just something I'm making up in my head. Are you going to live with her? I guess that I should. You could just stay here with us. Mom and Dad would let you. I heard them say so. Did it? Sure, just tell them that's what you want. See, that's the problem. It's not about what I want. It's about what God wants for me. Doesn't God care how you feel about it? I reckon he does. See, he knows what's best for me. Better than I do. Well, I'm going to tell him what makes you sad. And all he has to do to fix it is let you stay. Then you'll be happy again. Sometimes he chooses not to fix things. And I have to be okay with that too. Even if it means you have to leave? Whatever it means. I put my trust in Jesus my whole life. He hasn't let me down yet. He says that I need to go. That I should joyfully. Is this one of those trials that makes you stronger? I think so. I don't like them very much. Progress in the Spirit qualifies us to be a child of God with no fear. It gives us confirmation in our heart. And then let's get realistic. It leads us to a place where we can suffer for God. Where we can do what it is that God would have us to do despite the fact that we don't like those trials very much. If you are a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ and He's been testifying in your heart that you are saved, then you know you can do for Him that which you didn't think you could ever do. You can go above and beyond and do amazingly, even suffering and enduring because He hasn't let you down yet. In fact, if He owns your soul and He's taking it home with you, with Him, then what are you going to do? 
oh God, I know you're in charge, but I don't like it, so I'm just going to say no. That's stupid. That doesn't make any sense. You can't do that. Either he's in charge or he isn't. And the progress in the spirit that qualifies us is putting to death the deeds of the flesh. That's the phrase. Will you decide to follow God and to follow His Holy Spirit? That's really the question. And that question being answered qualifies us to be sons of God with no fear, having confirmation, and enduring suffering. And 17 says it this way, but I'll go back to 16 for the beginning of the sentence. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, heirs also, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with Him, in order that we may also be glorified with Him. Put to death the deeds of the flesh. Stop trying to solve the problem your way and instead solve it God's way. Somebody wrongs you. What's God's way? When somebody wrongs you, what's God's way of solving the problem? You know the answer. Not rhetorical. Jason, what's God's way? Forgive them. That's it. Step one. Forgive them as he forgave me. Jesus said it after the Lord's Prayer. He said, if you cannot forgive, you cannot be forgiven. You know the way that God would do it. Well, I forgive him. I do forgive him, but I'm still going to have to say something so I can feel better about it. That's not forgiving. That's you, again, cordoning yourself off from damage, protecting yourself instead of allowing him to protect you. That's you doing it your way rather than his way. Because while he was being crucified on the cross, instead of spitting venom, he said, Lord, forgive them for they know not what they do. Thereby demonstrating very clearly that forgiveness, real forgiveness, is his way. Unless we forget how that ends, he was resurrected. But when we do it our way, not let in the Spirit, Angry at somebody, posting something, saying something, doing something to feel a little better. Somebody says something that provokes our self-esteem and we run out and buy ourselves a nice piece of chocolate or something to feel better. We gotta, we've got these coping mechanisms that psychologists say we all have and we're coping with our difficulties instead of turning it over to God, forgiving it, letting it go, doing what we're supposed to be doing. Here's what you do. Every time somebody upsets you, forgive them and go win somebody to Jesus. And when you win somebody to Jesus, they will stop doing as many things. They'll still do some because we're still in the body, right? But they'll stop doing as many things to hurt other people and less people will go through what you just went through. Get in the fight! If the person that hurt you was following the Holy Spirit, they probably wouldn't have hurt you. Unless you set an unrealistic standard for what you wanted them to do, and that does happen. We, we get in the church and we're serving in ministry and somebody does something and this person doesn't like it. Now, there's no sin involved. No one's, no, there's no sin, but this person just didn't like what this person did or vice versa. And instead of it being resolved, we're going to turn it into a thing that's not godly. It's not Jesus. It's not Holy Spirit. It's nothing. It's not kingdom at all. And then we begin to wonder if, it, if we're not going to do it by the kingdom standards anyway, then who is our king? Put to death the deeds of the flesh. That's the progress in the Spirit that qualifies us as sons of God with no fear, confirmed in the Lord, able to endure suffering that He sends in order that we may indeed be glorified with Him in the day. That's round one. Round two, we'll discuss suffering for a moment according to this text. Suffering. Well, number one, suffering comes out of interaction with creation. Possible groanings, if you will. Disease, hurt, 
our messed up taste buds that are part of our body, which is creation, fallen, right? All of those kinds of things. We struggle and suffer because we endure the interaction that we have with creation that's only happening because creation is groaning for the redemption that we will one day have. So when things happen, some guy shoots up your house, God forbid that ever happens, or some guy blows you up on social media or stands out front of your house with a bullhorn and, and preaches at you for being a bigot or whatever, right? whatever it ever is, when that stuff happens, part of it is an interaction with fallen creation and creation is groaning, reaching out. The bottom line is you got what they can't have and in so doing, they're going to strike out against the part of you that doesn't have what you have that they can't have. So they're coming against your body, your person, where you are. The creation's groanings are coming against. That's why tornadoes kill people. That's why earthquakes kill people. That's why buildings fall down and people are still missing. Right? The groanings of creation provide plenty of suffering for us to go through as we follow God's Holy Spirit. And we can endure it because we have the confirmation, have no fear, and know to whom we belong. Secondly, suffering arises out of the fact that we are waiting for total redemption. Look at verse 18. It says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. We're going somewhere. Okay, I left to go to the theater. I had purchased my paper tickets in advance. I didn't have them. Halfway there, I had to turn around and go back because I was going to the theater. And I needed my tickets. And I didn't want to buy them again. I'm going somewhere. We're going somewhere. So if you're going somewhere, there are steps that you have to take to get where you're going. We're waiting for total redemption. We're suffering at the hands of creation. We're doing that because we're not there yet. This is what we were made to be. This is what we were reborn to be. This is what we're prepared to be with purpose and power and provision by the Lord Jesus Christ. And we can do it. As we are waiting for the final redemption, we can endure whatever we have to. And it's going to suck. It's going to stink. We're not going to like it. But how we react to it, who we become in response to it, what we do as we follow God's Holy Spirit through it, that's what qualifies us. If you go into suffering, if you have a problem and you do not endure it the way the Holy Spirit leads you to endure it, you have disqualified yourself according to the text. Don't do that. Follow the leading of the Holy Spirit and handle it His way. What's more, our suffering is hoping for the unseen. So yesterday I wanted to go out and play volleyball. I had a, my back was very sore. I've been working out and doing some exercise, especially in my midsection because it's a little puffier than I'm comfortable with. And, uh, and made my back sore. So I went to the cupboard. I took a couple of ibuprofen. Occurred to me afterwards, you know, I never really prayed about that. I just, that's an easy solution. So we take the easy solution. But what I was really hoping for is I want to get strong. I want to be right. I want to follow the Lord. I want to be who God wants me to be. We're hoping for the unseen, and it aches. It hurts. There's something you've wanted. There's something you yearn for. Something God's placed in your heart. I want to grow the church. I want to see the kingdom advance. I want to win people to Jesus. I want to literally say, do you now want to live your life for the Lord Jesus Christ? 
going forward to be forgiven of all your sins. And I want to hear them say yes. And then I want to say, did you open the door of your heart? And I want to hear them say, yes, Jesus is in my heart. I, that's, that's what I want. I don't care if I do it a thousand people, but today I want that. And when I'm sick, I want that. And when I'm sore, I want that. So let's get straight what it is that we're hoping for and then realize that as we're enduring the suffering, part of it is because of what we're hoping for. I, I like to make my midsection less puffy. But if that never happens, I'm kind of okay with it. You know what I'm saying? Because it is what it is. But I want to see people reach for Jesus. What are you yearning for as you endure suffering and it's not going the way you want it to go? It's what you're yearning for. It's what you're really after that's the problem. Now, if what you're after is worldly, you want your kids to do what you tell them to do or you want your spouse to do what you tell her to do or, or for, tell him to do or whatever. Or if you want more money, if what, is, what you're yearning for is worldly, then it really falls under the idea of interaction with creation and possible groaning. So you're after something that creation has made you think is good and it just isn't going to be. If the person you love starts doing everything you want them to do, you're not going to be happy or satisfied. That's not going to bring you joy. Not any more than that is right now. What's going to bring you joy is recognizing what you're up against and for whom you're working and following His Holy Spirit leading. That's what's going to bring you joy. And if, if all the world falls apart and you say, but Jesus first, then you're going to be okay. And if all the world falls apart and you say, but Jesus second or third or fourth, or I'm going to fix this, you're not going to be okay. Not then, not through it, and not in the end, according to this text. The last thing to see in there then, that was talking about suffering, the last thing to see in there then, is as we follow our leader, we become the leader for someone, something. Listen to what it says in 21. It says in 21, that the creation itself also will be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. This is where the rubber meets the road. Because as we follow our leader, as we follow His Holy Spirit, as we follow our leading, as Jesus works His work in us and we embrace it and are on board with His effort, as we do that, we become the leader for all creation. All of it. All the groanings, they're groaning for what you already got. All the aching and all the people dying and go to hell. Everybody that's ever died and go to hell would tell you, except Jesus, bad call. Don't do it my way. Bad call. I've been here for a day or a year or an eternity, it seems like to me. But I'm telling you, whatever you do, don't come here. You have access to now, as we are preaching the gospel, preaching the message of Jesus today, you have access to now what literally everyone and everything, every leaf, every tree, every car, every piece of dirt, every piece of gravel, every stone, you have access to what every star desires. Now I understand that those things are not entities as we they don't have thought, they don't dream. But Scripture says they yearn and groan and reach and long for the very thing that we have access to in Jesus Christ. Just as my body, if I follow the Lord and His leadings, just as my body will one day be resurrected and made completely new in heaven, so too will the earth be reborn, destroyed essentially, and reborn. And it's yearning for its rebirth as it's dying on the altar of man's lust and greed. It's yearning for its rebirth. And you have it. And you become the leader, the guide, 
the person at the front of the line as creation can follow you into redemption. Not my words. It says that the creation itself also will be set free from its slavery. If you've been set free from your slavery, then as he, the creation follows, that means it will do the same thing that you have done. It will be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. If you know where you're going because it's been confirmed in your heart, if you do not have a spirit of fear because you know God is in charge, if you become a son of God because He is God and He has chosen you out of the world into His kingdom, you can endure suffering, which will amount to a lot of things, but at least it will be an interaction with creation's possible groanings. It will be a waiting for total redemption as we know things are not quite right, but it's what we're prepared for to endure that suffering. It will be hoping for the unseen not yet to come, and we will become the leader. You become the manager, the general, the admiral, the president, the emperor. You become the leader of creation. That's why we are responsible to redeem everything we touch. That's why every time you have a used car and it's broke down and it's going to cost you something, you should always go, let's see, junk it? I don't think God... You should always lean toward the repair. Lean toward the renewal. Every piece of land, every house, every dollar you ever get should be about redemption because you are a leader in redeeming. You are a leader in bringing the worldly junk that is the world out into the light that is God and seeing it redeemed. Every relationship, somebody comes to you and says, I'm hurt and I'm broken. You should be praying. You should be sharing the gospel. You should be encouraging them and don't stop until they're no longer hurt and broken because you are a redeemer. You are a builder. You are the leader of the line to bring all of creation, which let's not kid ourselves, is at odds with God and at odds with man. And you are the Redeemer to bring all of creation into the presence of a holy God and have it renewed. It longs to do that which is destined to happen to you. And baby, that's a promotion. You ain't some blue-collar worker. You're a vessel for the holy God of the universe to bring the truth about Jesus, to bring the love and compassion you can do what nothing and no one outside of Jesus can do. And if you can't do it, then you're outside of Jesus and you need to get in. And you cannot get in of your own strength. You do it by turning to Him and allowing Him to do it. But the ruck, but the rut, the low track, the string of troubles, the failures, the mistakes made along the way. These things can feel dire. In fact, they can even feel safer somehow. It's good to make an excuse. An excuse to say, I'm not good enough to solve this problem. I'm not big enough, fast enough. I'm not academically strong enough. I don't have enough money. I haven't got promoted enough. It's easier to feel like you're a failure and you did wrong and now you're paying the price. We become our own martyr. We say, well, I know I should, but I'm not brave enough. Or I know I should, but I'm hurt because so-and-so said this or so-and-so did that. I want to be free, but I don't know how. The rut becomes familiar and comfortable 
the low track, the string of troubles, the failures. They can feel like it's too much. Or even safer somehow. No matter the level of our supposed resistance, or our complaints, or our righteous indignation, because you know what's wrong with them, or the world, or the government, or the other side. No matter our pursuit of justice in response to our supposed undoing. I'm going to fix it. I'm going to pay them back. They're going to get what they deserve. But no, the Word says to put to death the deeds of the flesh, and that's what those are. They're all the deeds of the flesh. Sleeping in because you stayed up too late to do what you wanted to do, rather than doing what God wanted you to do. Eating more so you can feel good about yourself because you haven't practiced a certain amount of self-care and taking care of this body that is distant from God the way the Holy Spirit would have you to do. Racking your brain to think of what you could have said to make it turn out differently with regret or worry because you don't like the outcome. That's not putting to death the deeds of the flesh. No. We're to accept suffering and be busy about the work of the Lord as His Holy Spirit leads us. Now, you can't put yourself in for suffering either. You can't orchestrate suffering of your own design. Suffering in this text comes from an interaction with creation and its possible groanings. comes from waiting for the total redemption of God. I am faithfully waiting for what God will do. comes from hoping for the unseen. I, I wish God would win everybody to Jesus and the kingdom of God would become earth. <laughs> and everybody would be saved. But it, it isn't going to happen that way. The Bible tells us otherwise. Being like Jesus, accepting that He knows and He sees what you're going through, and handling it the way His Holy Spirit, and that's often through His Word, leads us to handle it. And recognizing He has chosen us to lead all of creation into the freedom that has been reserved for children of God. And when we do that, and when we do that, then we will know that we are saved. Then we will no longer have a spirit of fear. Then it will be confirmed in our hearts. And we will endure suffering, which you will do anyway. But we will endure it still following His Holy Spirit and being the kind of people that He would have us to be. Endure and reign. Endure and lead. Endure and step up. Endure and be a child of God. Endure and overcome. Not overcome as in I tricked my way through or I lied or I manipulated, but overcome as in faced with what I was faced with, I was found faithful. 
2 Timothy 2.12 says, If we endure, we will also, listen to it, reign with Him. But if we deny Him, He also will deny us. I'm going to say it again. If we endure, we, He, I'm going to say it again. If we endure, we will also reign with Him. If we deny Him, He also will deny us. 2 Corinthians 4.17 says, For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. When will you start to think of the difficulties you are facing, the things you are going through as, listen to this phrase, momentary light affliction? Because that's what they are. You don't live your life on a scale of 120 years and how many days were you sad or hurting or was your flesh failing you or your friends abandoning you. That is not the standard. It's not how many days out of 120 days sucked or if you died at 22, how many days out of 22 years were terrible. That's not the standard. The standard is an eternity because that's what's available. You will spend an eternity with God if you have become a child of God. So now the question is, exactly how bad can it possibly be if you live to be 100 or 120 years old and every day stunk? It was terrible. Every day a family member died. Every day you went broke. Every day you battled addiction. Every day you struggled emotionally. Every day your body abandoned you. Every day somebody said something hurtful. If every single day, every hour of every single day, and I can't do the math in my head fast enough and I didn't do it in advance, so 120 years times 365 days times 24 hours, if every single day was like that, it would be momentary light affliction compared to an eternity in glory. And I know that. And I want to claim that. But my desire to claim that is me believing in the unseen. Because here I am today dealing with my momentary light affliction that I'm not satisfied with. I don't like it. I have to overcome it. I have to push through it. I have to be faithful and endure it. And I get that. And it's hard to do that. Except that is the very thing that Jesus died to prove. And you are not alone in the shell. The Holy Spirit of God is in you and he's saying, look, you belong to me and wait for it. You belong to me and if you will stick with me, all that you see, but better, all renewed, reborn, recreated and perfect with no tears and no sorrow and no pain and no suffering and no death, all that you see and all the kind of things that you could ever imagine that you've never seen, all of that, I will give it to you. All you have to do is start acting like a leader now. But I get it. I do. Some people aren't ready for promotion. They say the words and pretend to be a follower of Jesus. But they let the things of this world stop them from following the leading of the Holy Spirit. And according to the text that we read, if you will not follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, then you will die with your flesh instead. I'm asking you today to not be one of those people. Don't be one of those people that steps up promoted and falls back demoted, but it's even worse than that because what those people usually do is they, they refuse to be demoted. They will not take the demotion. They will not say, oh, I get it. I need to be led by God's Holy Spirit, but I'm not going to do it. So they just either pretend to continue to be a Christian for years or decades or whatever. They pretend to be a Christian 
Even though they're not truly a Christian, they know they're not. They know they're not adopted as a child of God. They have a spirit of fear. They do not feel the confirmation. Even though all of that is true, they do not endure the suffering. So when things get rough, they get mad. They're breaking stuff. They're hurting people around them. They're wheedling their way out. They're trying to manipulate. They're jumping ship, trying to get another job before the next one's lined up. They're telling their wife how stupid they are or their husband how stupid they are, how bad they are because they act a certain way. They're belittling their children. They're a venomous pit of disgust disgusting despair, and instead of being a follower of Lord Jesus Christ, led in the Holy Spirit, they're on their way to hell, and they're bringing a little bit of hell to earth, which they can do, because they were created in the image of God. Stop it. Live for Jesus. Follow His Holy Spirit. Let people, and all people who are not saved, are part of creation, and they will see your example, and they will follow their example, and they will yearn for what you have, just as the trees yearn, and the stars yearn, and the ocean yearns. If you still long for a relationship with Jesus like that, then you say today, Lord, I hear you and I realize that my decisions need to be made, led by you in your Holy Spirit inside me, testifying to me, telling me what I'm supposed to do. And I'm going to do that. I'm going to do it day in and day out to the best of my ability. And when things try to interfere, I'm going to endure, rise up, overcome as a follower faithfully. The next time I'm losing my temper because something happened to me that I don't like, I'm going to stop. I'm going to say no more right there. I'm going to walk out the door of my house and find somebody to tell about Jesus and the freedom that he provides. The next time that I'm fretting over money or I'm afraid I'm going to run out, I'm going to stop right there and say no. I will not do that because I have not been given the spirit of fear. I'm not going to fret over money. Instead, I'm going to walk away from this circumstance right here and I'm going to go to my Bible or I'm going to pray or I'm going to share Christ with somebody. I'm going to do what Christians are supposed to be doing because that's what the Holy Spirit leads me to do every day. And I should have been doing it. And if I would have been doing it, I probably wouldn't have wound up there in the first place. That's following Jesus. That's the kind of church we are. It's reaching new heights in Jesus. Putting to death the deeds of the flesh. Will you come with me? Will you do it with me? Will you say, yes, I will follow God's Holy Spirit as He lives in me? And if you've already done that, and you're already doing that, then you should have confirmation in your heart, knowing that you're saved, and you will reign with Him one day. But if your actions, which even philosophers admit speak louder than words, indicate that you are not following the Holy Spirit of God, then I imagine in your heart, you find an absence of a certain amount of confirmation. I imagine fear, regret, worry, they're fairly frequent partners. The suffering that you endure probably brings out the worst in you instead of bringing him out, which is what it's supposed to do. Repent and turn to the Lord Jesus Christ and let Christ and let his Holy Spirit lead you every moment of every day and be adopted as sons and daughters and endure faithfully, trials and sufferings. Fear not. Thanks for choosing this podcast from New Heights Fellowship Baptist Church of East Toledo. Please continue to listen to podcasts and grow and reach new heights in Jesus. But if you're interested in partnering with the church, you can uh, get involved, preferably physically, come worship with us in person. That would be powerful. Or serve as part of our missions and outreach. Share the gospel right where you live. Reach new heights in Jesus every day, practicing spiritual disciplines to serve the Lord and grow yourself. Uh, if you're interested in more information about the church, go to churchtoledo.com. Churchtoledo.com has all kinds of interesting, uh, interesting information about all aspects of the ministry. 
If you'd like to give, you can text GIVE to 419-419-0095, and that'll give you the opportunity to set up your credit or debit card, and you can give that way. You can also give on the website. You can donate, uh, gently use clothing or grocery items to the Southside Life Station. Uh, that is located at 402 South Avenue in Toledo, Ohio. We've had people come as far as uh, all the way from northern Florida to deliver goods there as we reach out to Toledoans and advance the kingdom of God and just help people who are in need. So please pray for us. We are praying for you, and God bless you.